The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts, Laura Nash and Nate Harninger. And this week we are talking about Gunbrella. 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 Gunbrella great by Goinksoft. Just great Doinksoft. names all around. Back These guys are back. great at names. Great names. Yeah, and and we've uh, we've been blessed with great names. Uh, from this company before, we covered their uh, their previous, or at least one of their previous game, Gato Robato. For folks who maybe didn't play that one or, or haven't listened to that episode, um, it, it's one of the best short Metroidvanias, a thing that's very hard to do well. Metroidvanias kind of by design kind of end up being kind of sprawling and exploratory, etc. And... Um, you know, if you try to tighten them down to like a three to five hour experience, you tend to lose a lot of that feeling. But uh, Gato Robato did it really, really well while also being very cute and about a cat in a mech. Cat in a mech suit. <laughs> yeah. What more could you ask for? A cat in a mech suit Metroidvania. So uh, I think, yeah, we loved Gato Robato. And so when you see Doinksoft, which is, again, a, just just rolls right off the tongue, does it not? Doinksoft. You see, they're coming out with another game. It's called Gunbrella. I mean, what more could you ask for? So uh, very, I was very hyped about this game. May more companies put out games that explicitly say what the game is about in yes. the title. This is a yes. gun umbrella. That was a <laughs> Gato and a Roboto. <laughs> Please. Like the number of times someone asked me for a game recommendation, I have to search my memory for what indie weird title like that was like, and once we went to the moon and back, I'm yeah. making that up. Um, no, it'd Gato be like Roboto. once we went to the moon and back, colon. A tale about going to the moon or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, the, the, everyone loves colons. Or it's called like just a noun that it's yeah. completely ungoogleable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, good job doing soft. And uh, Gunbrella, I mean, it is what it sounds like. It's a gun umbrella. And the entire game is focused around this Gunbrella, which uh, we're going to spend some time talking about. I think, you know, if, at the beginning, we typically going to give our our opening thoughts about the game and while I was really really excited to cover this game and really excited to dive into it I think this episode's probably going to be like our dredge episode where we have mm-hmm. uh quite a range of opinions and uh some some things that like I personally really loved about this game but also uh, there are a few things that ultimately left me uh left me a little bit wanting how about you two I think the central mechanic of this worked like gangbusters for me. Um, I'm uh, take it or leave it on platformers. Like it's all about the controls for me. Um, And for this, that part worked well. Story and environment were fine. I mean, the art is great, but it's not an environment I cared to spend time in and the world wasn't exciting for me, but I very much enjoy, I, I really like it when, the combat is melded with movement mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like that is my sweet spot because I'm generally yeah. not great at combat alone. Um, and so when they pair the two, I think it's much more powerful. So that's my like TLDR gunbrella. The 
object is great. The, the best <laughs> part about this game is the, the umbrella. Yeah. So they really, again, na- nailed it with the uh, with the naming. How about you, Reagan? Uh, well, I feel l- this is a weird episode for me because I feel really unprepared for it in that I bounced off this game really early. Um so this is a, uh, you know, I, like Laura, I think that the actual physical uh, physicality of like the Gunbrella, theoretically it works for me, but I had a kind of a hard time with its controls for some reason. I, maybe I'll try to explore that a little bit more, but Were long you on story controller short, or keyboard. I was playing mostly on the, uh, on the, the steam deck. And so, mm. you know, it's a controller. Um, it, it's, um, so <sighs> I wanted to like this game really bad because again, like the, the whole Gunbrella concept seems cute and fun. The, uh, you know, playing through the initial like tutorial stages where it kind of introduces you to the mechanics. I'm like, okay, I get this. I, I like it. I like the, I like that you can do the little Gunbrella swoosh. You know, we'll talk about some of the mechanics with the Gunbrella in a minute, but like it has that sort of like, um, you know, princess peach float kind of thing a little bit. Mary or, Poppins. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. Mary Poppins, but also, you know, brutal takedowns. And <laughs> it's nothing like, to do with Mary Poppins. This is no. just, just, just for the floating. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I was, I was into it. Right. Um, but it's just so interminably talky. Mm. Uh, and then I finally got through like, you know, it, it feels like it never really wants to let you actually play. And then when you get to the, I got to the first boss, like really just the first boss and I hit a complete wall with it. And just the combination of those factors ended up just sort of putting me off completely. And, um, you know, I, I really did try to get past that first boss, but I'm usually like, I usually feel really competent at platformers. This is like an area of strength for me, right? Like we do a platformer. I'm like, hell yeah, let me get in there. I'm going to mm-hmm. like, I'm going to jump mm-hmm. all over that shit. And like this game, like, I don't know. It, it made me feel bad at platformers. Aww. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. The first boss, I think also was the most difficult mm-hmm. though. I, that may just be because it's the first thing that like, really it really tests you and so by if you can beat that the f- subsequent tests just feel a little bit better um but i also i had a difficult time with the first boss i uh, i played this game also on steam deck i also played it primarily while i was on a plane uh so i had two very long flights over this this last uh, couple weeks and uh part of it was just the fact that i was like well i'm sitting in this seat I brought my Steam Deck as as one of my primary means of entertainment, and I'm just going to grind away at this boss. And uh, I was able to get past it and then wasn't challenged as much by really any of the subsequent bosses. That's weird. That's weird yeah. considering it's like the first one. I mean, yeah. and there's there's other enemies earlier, of course. Like, there's other stuff to fight. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, what happened with me, and I th- this sort of helped inform later bosses is that i think the game early like in the beginning really does um like reward quick like playing quickly Mm -hmm. zooming around the map and like jumping up on guys before they see you and blasting them away with your gunbrella um and then when you get to the first boss though it becomes way more of a like, let's slow down and learn the boss's patterns mm-hmm. and find safe spots to to, uh, um, you know, to deal damage rather than this like aggression that I think the standard like the standard stages 
you know, you benefit by being aggressive, but the boss is you have to pull back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, once I figured that out and and like took the time to memorize the patterns, you know, I was able to beat the boss without really taking much damage, but I died a ton getting yeah. to that point as well. And that makes sense. Not to like harp too much on the first boss before we get into much other other stuff here, but like the 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 boss, the first boss was where I really re, like started feeling the limitations of the gunbrella. Like as a gun, it is your primary gun and you can have other guns, you can equip other stuff like like grenades or a machine gun that you can collect ammo for, but the gunbrella is unlimited ammo. It's sort of your, you know, shotgun. Your mega blaster, yeah. yeah. But it is a shotgun. It's so short range. Yeah. So the um the whole like the whole beginning of the game really sort of trains you like avoid shots, get in close, get in quickly before they can get a shot off at you and blast them with the shotgun of the gunbrella. I basically um, played like a monk in fifth edition D D. <laughs> like yeah. run in, hit everybody, back yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Like that was oh, my yeah. go if you're a D D player. And that 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 approach did not work at all with the boss because no. if you're close enough to hit him with the gunbrella, you're close enough to get hit. You, know, get, you get that. like three or four hits and you're dead. And the, the that first boss has an absolutely unbelievable amount of health. So like blasting him with the gunbrella, it's, you know, it doesn't fire very quick. It's shotgun style. You know, you might take off what, I don't know, looked like a 200th of his health with each shot. Like we're talking about like really small slivers of his fairly large health bar. So uh, it was, yeah, it, I, I kept thinking I was doing something wrong. Like I've clearly like misunderstood the assignment here. And so I went and looked up a video of people playing the boss. And it's like, it seemed like, no, they were pretty much doing what I was doing. They were just not getting hit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. So I, I found it, I found it like, it was like a weird wall. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk more. Let's go back though, because we were, yeah. I don't want to focus too much on the spot where I fucked up <laughs> <laughs> and instead talk about like, let's go over the mechanics here because like the mechanics are the strength. This, yeah. the gunbrella is cool. Nate, what, what are all the, you can do so many things with the gunbrella. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and like, as I as I started playing this game, it, not very long into it, I was like, this is one of my favorite control schemes I've played in a platformer. The The range of movement, the freedom that you get with this thing is is incredible. So uh, we've kind of touched on a, a few of the pieces already, but basically it is exactly what it sounds like. So you have a gun and it can also become an umbrella. So your move set is you control your character with a standard uh with you know with the analog stick and you have full range of movement and you can jump and you can open up your umbrella which makes you into this you know floaty little guy mm-hmm. and you have full range of control while you're floating around so you can zig and zag around in the air however much you need you 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 fall relatively slowly so it's a huge range of movement while you have the umbrella um you also can wall jump so you can bounce off the wall and then unleash your umbrella to give yourself additional height. But the sort of the key here, the key move that really opens up the um, traversal is that if you open up the umbrella as you are pointing in a certain direction, you basically do a small dash. And this dash, if you're just on the ground, it just works like a forward and backward dash. But if you are pointed into the air in really any direction, you will fly up in the air with your umbrella out. 
And so that allows you to, uh, th- this dash can be activated any at any time. You can do it one time uh, to get like up in the air. And then if you touch the wall, you can do it again, which allows you to have full wall climb capabilities. You can basically go up to the wall, do the dash, uh, umbrella yourself back over to the wall, do the dash and wall climb and and really go in any direction. As, as long as there's a piece of like wall or something in the in the area, you can basically float around forever. You can just keep wall dashing and wall jumping and dashing up in the air and floating around as much as you want. And so this allows basically you can, you know, your this this game is like most platformers, you know, you've got your little screen in front of you with your platforming challenge. You can basically go anywhere at any point, and it's up to you to figure out what is the right, uh, you know, angle and and how do you make you know some of the jumps are are kind of long and whatnot. But it's just a complete range of movement. And then during all this, you can also fire your shotgun, so it does allow for some, you know, really fun. Like what Laura was saying, that I really enjoyed as well is that you'll enter into a screen with uh, bad guys who also have guns or some sort of weaponry. And you can basically like gunbrella yourself to where you're landing like right on top of them. You can fire like I what I did a lot was firing downward, like umbrella over someone, drop hmm. down and fire the shotgun straight down. So you just land right on top of them. And it's incredibly satisfying. And it allows for some, I think, really good platforming moments where you're you have like such a range of movement. Most of these games are about limiting your movement. You only have one dash. You only have like one jump or whatever. And can you nail it? This is like you can kind of go anywhere at any time. So, um, you know, making these puzzles pretty interesting. And the gumbrel is even defensive. So you can use it as a yeah. shield. And it's yeah. like it's it's got this like uh, almost like not boomerang, but it's got this like bounce back effect occasionally if you get the timing right. So, yeah. If I was not feeling particularly aggressive, I mean, again, the gumbrel is a short range, so if you want to actually kill anybody, you got to get up in there. But you can kind of uh, slowly zoom around the screen, like slowly just float, like get in the right position, drop, kill some people, and get out. Um, That was a really satisfying um, because a lot of platformers are mostly like get in close, clear, move on. And this was nice to kind of dip in and back. Um, I was able to, I don't know if that was my preferred play style or if that was what the game was encouraging, but it worked for me um, for the non-bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely like, I think I just went on full aggression where I would just land, fire the shotgun and just try to hop around while it reloads, Mm -hmm. you know, and then and fire the second shot. But it does allow you for quick escapes. You can go very, you know, it's very vertical. And most (laughs) of the bad guys are at least through the majority of the game, not not including bosses. Most of them are firing very directional and it's very telegraphed when they're going to shoot. And so it's relatively easy to avoid um you know uh, enemy gunfire it does yeah, you get, can get pretty mobbed but you can you can umbrella your way out of it yeah however they do uh and, and i thought this was you know a good complication later in the game you are also fighting people who essentially have gunbrellas or you're fighting uh birds and shit <laughs> that <laughs> are are surprisingly evasive uh so you know they they do the first part of the game, it's a lot of stuff where it's all on the ground level and you you control the skies. 
Um, it gets a lot harder later when when the skies are also, uh, you know, a dangerous area. There are a couple um, bad guys later that are like faster than you in the sky. And that gets complicated and you get in some sort of like interesting, almost like aerial combat in your with your gunbrella, hmm. which was fun. Yeah. And that's where like that's where for this game for this game really worked for me was if i'm if i'm using the gunbrella in this game i was generally having a good time uh (laughs) now unfortunately i think you're really only you're using the gunbrella maybe half of the time because this is a a wildly deep story game and they put a lot of peanut butter in this chocolate man there's a lot (laughs) of peanut butter in this chocolate bar there's also a lot of like mayonnaise in this chocolate oh yeah if shane were here he would also uh be complaining because we, we recently did the mechanics we hate uh episode and he talked about needless backtracking mm-hmm. uh this game is like a hundred percent full of backtracking it, it, it's a there's a lot of stages and and dungeon style things that you're breaking into clearing and then like most games nowadays you know there's like a magic exit at the end of the after you beat the boss there's like just oh a portal. Cool. this elevator takes me to the front door you know but in this game it's like no you gotta get all the way back out and they try to complicate it usually by having you know this is all about the story but there's like a demon thing that's chasing you so it's a little bit like a pizza tower where like your exit is now a complicated thing but like i don't know i didn't really like just doing the same platforming challenges in reverse while being chased i didn't really like it in pizza tower and i didn't really like it in this either you know it 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 felt like i just want to go back i just want to do new things with the gunbrella and not redo the things i've already done but um but yeah i don't know do, was there anything else about the cuz i feel like we're going to get into a long discussion about uh, the story and be uh, ranty yeah. about the story so i don't know is there anything else about the mechanics and like, oh sound design what, yeah hmm was I really enjoyed all the the sounds of this game are really pleasing. Um, It's a very wet game. Yeah. (laughs) If you're gonna be gross, I want you to be full on like Ren and Stimpy, like make everything sound like meat being thrown at a wall. Like if you're gonna be gross, I want you to go for it. I don't want you to like put gross images on screen and not have a, a wet splat. Yeah, there's a lot of splats. Yeah, that's something we didn't really talk about. This game is way more like for a pixel art game with very small, you know, uh, character sprites. um, This game feels more graphic than you would expect. And I think part of it is just because it it does some very I don't know what they're doing to simulate blood splatter with their pixel art, but like. You know, they, they put in the effort to make, you know, when you mm-hmm. when you point blank somebody with the gunbrella, they go and, and yeah, and hit the wall and that red stands out on that brown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does like a like a star pattern of blood that just splatters and stains the map and and it's there until you, you know, you leave um, and lots of body parts go flying as well. Little bits mm-hmm. and body parts. You know what this game made me think of constantly? Um I don't think we ever did it for the show, but it's a game that I think we all really enjoyed. Um, do you remember Hook Champ? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember Hook Champ. It's it, there's a lot of aesthetic similarities between this game and Hook Champ, and then like Hook Champ, 
when you would land in the lava, you would just immediately turn into bones and like all of that would go <laughs> flying. And you also mm-hmm. had a gun where you were shooting the thing that was chasing you. Like same thing in this game. You're you're shooting a thing that's chasing you uh, and you will frequently turn to bones. So yeah. I just felt like there was, uh, you know, some some similarities between the game. I actually at one point was like, did Doinksoft do Hook Champ? Like it felt so similar to me, but no, they did not do Hook Champ. No. A bit of a side note while we're talking about the games that Hook Champ, or sorry, that Doinksoft did. Um, so we obviously really enjoyed Gato Roboto. I didn't mention the other game that they've come out with between Gato Roboto and this one. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't play it, and I still haven't either. But this is funny. When I was when I was uh, getting ready for this, I, re- I looked up the Wikipedia and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They did that game Demon Throttle. Mm-hmm. Demon Throttle was a game that Doinksoft developed for the Switch and then released exclusively on cartridge. It was a, uh, a thing that they did uh, as a like a collaboration with Devolver and Special Reserve Games, which is a company that does like, you know, fancy uh, physical re-releases of primarily digitally on- digital only uh, games, mostly on Switch. Um, and they do like special editions, but they also just do like straight up, here's a cartridge of a game that, you know, maybe has been out for a little while, but previously was was digital only kind of like limited run, but they've got a different kind of vibe. But what was, um, was funny about this was I was like, Oh yeah, didn't I buy that? And I went over <laughs> to my shelf and I looked through my switch games and I found demon throttle and it's still in the shrink wrap. I've never, Oh no. It. I was like, Oh crap. I bought this and I forgot to open it and play it. Um, so sorry to doink soft. I can't comment on whether demon throttle was any good. It does look kind of neat, but it's a, it's kind of a weird, uh, a weird thing. It's a uh, a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up style game with NES style graphics, um, like vertically scrolling shooter, but like not like you're not like a spaceship or a plane. You're like a little guy running around. Um, and I don't know. This game looks really fun. I I might give this a try now that I realize that I bought it. Um, yeah, potentially about a year ago, and then never actually opened it. So um, thank you. Uh, to Gunbrella for reminding me that I bought this game and never opened it. What a what an interesting choice to do a physical only release in you know 2022 or 2023. Yeah, it was, came out. This was the only one of these that Devolver and Special Reserve have done. Um, yeah, like, I wonder how it went for them. If they're going to do it again, I wonder. Like, I wonder. You know, <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I was. I, I would guess that like, you know, this is a, this is a pretty small seeming game. It was like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty niche thing, like an NES style vertically scrolling shoot 'em up on the, uh, on the switch. That's, that's a kind of a niche thing. If they were going to sell this on the switch eShop, it probably would have been like a five, maybe $10 indie. Right. Mm. But like here they get to sell it for 30 because it's on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they made more money this way. I, I don't know. But it is a weird choice. Weird thing to see. Yeah, I'll let I you mean, know. I, I if like it's, if it's really good. Then I guess maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll make all of you guys play it for the show. You can just mail around your mail the cartridge around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's talk a little bit. We have more to talk about, about the story. We got to <laughs> talk about the story, but it's difficult to even talk about the story because it's just so long winded and strange. But I'll at least try to set up the the frame here, and then we can kind of mm-hmm. talk through, uh, you know, at least as far as everyone got. So 
classic wife and kid dead story. Mm, Laura, kidnapped kid. But like, yeah, oh, come on. Mm, it, the, be better, the beginning, everybody. The beginning is be like, a scro- like he's out like um, – uh, like wood in the cutting. forest in the winter, like cutting wood or like collecting mushrooms or something. And then you see a smoking house on fire in the distance and, you know, cut to years later, embittered guy. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's the a worst setup. Yeah. It's a trope. Yeah, it's a trope, right? You know, you we now it's now a revenge story. Is very quickly. You understand that this is a revenge story. Just please like somebody kill the husband for once, like, please kill the husband and have the wife go in a revenge story. Like, all I'm asking for is, like, mm. at one point, maybe someone breaks in while the wife is gathering mushrooms <laughs> and murders the husband, and then she is to revenge the husband's death. Just do the exact same game with the guy dying Just, one yeah. time. Kill more. You heard it here, folks. Kill more husbands. That's I mean, all we're I, that's why I went so hard for Overboard. <laughs> <laughs> That game made up for a lot of other. It's a, a lot yeah. of a lot of. I get one. That one. I get one every yeah, like get, ten uh, years. Yeah. Every loop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so you know you you know you're coming into kind of a a a trope. You know it's kind of a trope fest in a lot of ways on this and the 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 action plot is that your character doesn't know who has killed his family, but he has this gunbrella. I guess the the bad guy left the gun. Left it. Which why would you leave such a cool thing? Yeah, I know, right? And so this is your piece of evidence. And so the game starts out with you. You're like, well, I have to. uh, I got to figure out uh, who you know who made this gunbrella, who had it, and maybe that will lead me to understanding who killed my family. Which. I mean, that's fine. It's like you said, I, I, you know, kill the husband, please. But as far as like it's you would think like if this game is going to be 90 percent floating around, shooting stuff with a shotgun and, you know, deep diving the interesting mechanics, then you've given me enough of an action plot. Like, that's fine. All right. I've I've got my gun and I got to go figure out who killed my family. Whatever. But what actually proceeds to happen is a complicated series of quests and it and and like exploration that has you interacting with like a town mayor, a cult, uh, a protest, like a union protest. Uh, there's so many different characters that have deep, long stories that you have to talk to everyone in order to move these things forward. There's like also a pretty uh, in-depth quest log. Like, yeah, you talk to a character, they add a thing to your quest log. You're going to have to return to them later to tell them that you did the thing that you, that they asked you to do. Like I was not expecting any of that in this game. Like based on like what I saw in trailers and in screenshots, I was expecting this to be like front most an action game. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting to have to like read lengthy chunks of dialogue. And I was certainly not expecting to like spend what felt like half of the time talking to people. Yeah. It's a lot. It, 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 I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're spending more time in this game, walking around talking to people than you are actually engaging in uh, like, you know, gunbrella activities. And so, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's constant. You know, you you'll get like 
you get a couple small scenes of fun Gunbrella things, and then you're dropped in like a big town, and you have to like again, you have to talk to everyone, you have to figure out what the next step of the plot is, you have to maybe solve some minor little dialogue puzzles where like this person over here tells you one thing, so you go back to this person who tells you another thing, then you have to go back to the person A to tell them the thing that person B told you, which will unlock a dialogue tree at person C so that you can go talk to them to go into a tunnel that maybe gives you a little bit more Gunbrella activity. But then you have to go back and tell all three of those characters about what you did in those tunnels, you know, and what you saw and, and, and like, it's just and you, so and, much. And like it, you have to choose dialogue choices in a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. it, like that's that's cognitive load that like I sometimes was not ready for in this. It's not like it's not like a major deal, but like every time you talk to one of these characters, you're making like five or choices. six dialogue choices. Yeah, and like normally I'm all about dialogue choices, but like the story isn't interesting. Like I was not curious who made the gunbrella, right? And I and I was not interested in talking to these characters. What I wanted to do was play an action game. This game basically advertises itself as an action game. And I just yeah. Yeah, it was so strange like how much not just how much of time but like how much it really seemed to expect you to to like engage in this as a as a world where it just doesn't feel like it was like much of a world i don't know yeah yeah i wish there was like i've been trying to really think about like what made this um like not click because like you said like on paper like this still all sounds great to me you know like yeah. great platforming mechanics with with an in, with a with a story that's like deeply embedded like i'm here for that but just the story itself was so strange and dry and and most of the characters are kind of off-putting so you're not really particularly uh you know feeling strongly for any of them and you know you feel like you've been dropped into this world they try or they try to make you feel like you've been dropped into this world that has like a complicated socio-economic dynamic going on and like mm-hmm. you're yeah, just it feels like you're in the middle of like a kind of a slow moving disaster like every yeah. time you roll into one of these well okay i rolled into the first town basically um there was a little town before that but like it, it feels like there's you know there's something deeply wrong here right yeah. there's there's like cult activities and there's like you know all of the characters are like not wanting to talk to you because whatever reasons and you have to talk to three different guys in order to get the guy to like give him give somebody a password to like you know etc etc like so it it it, yeah it sort of feels like this is not a world that i felt excited to explore and i think that's the biggest problem like if this had been a game where like maybe that the the world were more engaging and the characters were more interesting then maybe that sort of 50 percent you know walk and talk uh, mm-hmm. part of the game would have been more engaging for me. That's not something that I'm totally, I'm not, I'm not allergic to talking to people in an action game, but of, of course, you know, it made me think of um, a game that we covered a while ago, but it's, it's really stuck with me, which was Katana zero. You remember mm, that? Yeah. Game? I, I was about thinking that about that too. during this game too. Yeah. And Katana zero, we had some similar struggles with, and that like the, the core gameplay of mechanic of Katana zero was brilliant. Um, but it also had 
a ton of dialogue and a, a wildly complicated plot. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that game is that that wildly complicated plot was almost so absurd and strange and like rooted in weird psychology that I did feel somewhat compelled to see what was going to happen next mm-hmm. simply because it was so weird, you know? And even though I didn't ultimately click with the story very well, like it was over the top and yeah. it and was it did sort of propel you on to the next action moment too. Yeah. Like it, it felt, it felt like it was like, trying to hype you up to go do the next big thing. Whereas, yeah, I don't know this sort of, and I'll be real. The house music soundtrack was dope as hell. And so I was like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. Plot. Why not? (laughs) That soundtrack was my, uh, top played thing on Spotify for, you know, they do like the rap thing. It was my number one played album in whatever year that was 2018 or something. And I still listen to it. Uh, like pretty regularly dialogue over a killer track. I'm a lot. Yeah. Yeah. More. I, I, I'm I'm just don't care, but I'm listening to the music instead. Mm-hmm. I but it's like it, it's yeah, the thing that so struck me big. here. Yeah. yeah, the thing that struck me here was like how short some of the action sequences between these dialogues. Yeah, the the things were ratio was like, off. Oh yeah, yeah, the ratio was way off. Like you spend like ten minutes, like you know, amping up to go into a into a sewer or whatever and and fight some rats, and then like fighting the rats takes like three minutes, and you're like, okay, now I got to go talk to people and find my next quest again, and it's just like. I could have I could have done with that being completely inverted. Like this game would have been, I think, way better served by like having the dialogue be like thirty percent or less of your time, and mm. you know, and have the the action sequences be significantly longer, maybe with more save points in the in the middle of them or something, because yeah. the 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 waiting was completely off. It also commits a few, I believe, mortal sins of a modern game. One of which is that you, you're talking to these guys to these characters so much and the way they do it is you you have to like interact with an npc by pressing a or whatever they run through dialogue then they're done and then you have to press a again to get to the next step of the dialogue like you have to re-engage with the npc they'll say something new and then it ends and and you can walk around again and then you have to press a again and so what that does, at least for me, is basically a hundred percent of the time I did not know if I had pulled all of the dialogue from the NPCs. So you would have to press A again and over and, and go until it would then eventually loop. And very often the last thing the the uh um it wouldn't loop, it would repeat the last thing that the uh, NPC had said to you. And so that's how you know you're done because they're now repeating themselves. But sometimes that last thing they said was like a full run that with like dialogue choices and things like that. So you'd basically have to repeat it. And like, I feel like, you know, most games nowadays, once you've run the NPC full dry of unique dialogue, that when you interact with them again, they'll say something like, you know, I've got nothing left to say to you, kid, or like, hmm. you know, what, whatever it might be that's like, I'm done with you. But this, they just do the last thing. So it it just like, I don't know, it, it kills immersion for me because now I'm repeating the same conversation I just had. And it's just a drag because I have to do it with like everybody. Um, I don't know if maybe you guys yeah. were better at identifying when the conversation was done, but I found myself like constantly having to like, redo the last stage of the dialogue because there was no way to know 
Yeah, I, I had similar problems. I didn't get far enough, I think, to maybe have that grade on me quite as much. But like, that is something that bothers me in games. Like, and you know, dialogue systems are hard. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. you want that option to go talk to the character again because maybe you missed something or you forgot a detail and you think you might need it. There's, there's like, there's, you know, it can be a difficult problem to figure out like what the right approach is with delivering yeah. dialogue in a game like this. Nobody likes the like. <sighs> like the animal crossing thing where you talk to a guy and you have to page through like 16 pages of mm -hmm. dialogue and you mm -hmm. accidentally press a one too many times at the end and he starts over and you're stuck listening through it again. Like nobody likes that. I hate it, but like, yeah, it, but you know, sometimes you do need that option to go and listen to the dialogue again. And it's hard to like, yeah. you know, do that. In, but yeah, this game, not super successful in that regard. Like I know it's they a hard also, problem, but it's not done they, well here. It is. Um, they also have a couple points where so like later in the game, there are some, some more challenging Gunbrella situations. And so it's not uncommon to die and you respawn back at this park bench and there are park benches all over the place. And that's your save point. And like for the most part, I feel like they are pretty well spaced. You know, you, you mm -hmm. get over something mm -hmm. that, particularly challenging and you get to save and it also heals you. And generally I thought they were good at this placement, but there's a couple points and one in particular that's near the end of the game that you do a large amount of interacting with NPCs. And then there's a particularly, at least for me, there was a really challenging platforming situation. And then the park bench is at the end of that. And so if you die during the that challenge, you start all the way back at the beginning. It's essentially the, the, the same as, you know, where you have to watch the boss cinematic every time you want to fight the boss. That's what it felt like in this game, because I would it would start you all the way back at the beginning. And I have to run into town, have all of these interactions again to sort of check the boxes of talking to these people and then go and make another attempt at the challenging platforming thing. And it's like, if you're going to have this amount of dialogue, like I need to be able to do the dialogue one time and then take as many efforts as I want at the platforming challenge rather than having to do all of the plat all of the dialogue again before I do my next attempt at the platforming. And one of them was so frustrating that I was like, you know what? Nothing that they said to me was particularly interesting. So I'm just hmm. going to stop talking to all these people. I'm just going to run past all of it and just go straight to the platforming challenge. And because I had known what you talk about, but I didn't actually do it in my save that like I made it through. I was curious if that would have an impact. And no, when I like you eventually backtrack and they like they say everything to you as if I had already heard all of the stuff that I should have had when I talked to him the first time. If, if, I don't know if that made sense. Like they, so. they treated me like I had stopped to talk to them, even though I never had. So it was like, oh, it doesn't even actually matter if I talked to any of these NPCs. It's all just going to have the exact same outcome anyway. So it was like little things like that, that it's like made the excessive amount of dialogue and plot just a little bit more frustrating when when the platforming and the action and what whatnot is was so good, um, it really felt like a drag, like constantly. That it, it's kind of like um, 
what we talked about with dredge how like every little island is its own little universe and they really don't have anything to do with each other mm-hmm. um that's kind of what it is too in this game to some degree like there's some repeating characters but you're just constantly meeting new characters i don't know what the total amount is but there's probably like 30 or 40 different distinct characters in this game and all of them want to talk to you all of the time and in different capacities and it it's just it's like too much it's like i don't really care about this town i don't really care about this story but i have to talk to everyone all the time and solve these little dialogue puzzles to move forward so i don't it's like I could see this working if the story's really, really good and really, really compelling, but instead it was just kind of dull. It's strange though. I'll give you that. Like there's like cults and monsters and and weird kidnapped creatures kids. and kidnapped kids and bad know, police. Okay. Poli- yeah, you know, a, a bad union. Like it, it's all over the place. You get captured and you spend years in a prison and you make all these <laughs> friends and then you fight tentacles and like it, it just gets all over the place, which yeah, I would you would think I would like. That's what I would, you know, go big. But there's just something about it that just it's I think it's the balance. I think it's a balance. Yeah. And also like, this world wasn't my favorite. Um, I, I I don't mind a dystopia. Um, yeah. I know I'm going to love Discolation if I ever have the time to play it. Um, yeah. I know we need to we need um, to cancel the podcast for a year <laughs> and all of us play Disco. Yeah, it's, I know Nate has already played it. It's not I mean, even that long. It, like it's, I know. It's, I I really think at this point I call it my favorite game, and that's so uh, good. But, but, but oh, yeah, I'm me, sorry, like, I don't mean to interrupt, Laura. Yeah, so I'm oh, I need to play the game. Sorry, go ahead, Laura. Oh. No, I, I, I'm just saying, like I don't mind a dystopian world it's not the the squishiness or the grossness or the steampunkiness or the brown um (laughs) it's just really brown it's a very brown Um, very brown uh very brown but i i think i need a little bit um i don't know it just felt very simple in some ways like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening but i didn't they didn't glue together in a a bigger hole that made me excited Maybe it goes back to that original plot hole of like the whole thing rests on the fact that someone killed your wife and took your kid and left the weapon behind. Like what? Well, like there's a, yeah. that kind of logic hole is just throughout the game, and I'm okay. Again, I like a nonsense game. I don't need to think too hard about the plot, yeah. but the fact that I noticed it is generally a bad sign. Well, there's like entire. It's like the things they decide to spend their time on from a plot standpoint, where it's like. At one point, you talk to this preacher or, or, or you know, holy man, and, and and you learn about, like, his church. And you hear, like, you have several, several dialogue bubbles about, like, praise be to this person's God and, like, the history of their church and what they're doing to try to save the town and whatnot. And, like... Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not worried of or I'm not uh I, I like a deep lot plot game and a deep lore game. Just none of it felt that well connected or that interesting. Like yeah. I I feel like we're really circling a good point here. It's just like all but I can't put words to it. It's just all kind of boring. Yeah. You know, I, I think first of all to to really salvage this game and I think this this is a salvageable game if they were going to go back and kind of rethink, but 
the number one thing I would do is give every single character that you have to talk to a dialogue option that says, just give me the quest. Just give me the quest, you know, and make everything, every other piece of dialogue uh, that's not absolutely 100% critical uh, optional extra thing and make it super clear what's what, right? Because like, I don't want to talk to the guy about his, his, his church either. And I don't want to like, and like, it sometimes it would give you dialogue choices, but it didn't seem like it was a choice. It was like it was just here's a list of things that you have to talk about all of them until it figure until it figures out that you've talked enough, and then it'll give you a quest, right? Yeah, John Ingold has a talk on designing narratives um, where he uses an example from the Blade Runner uh, movie as like how to write an ink and how to give. And he he talks about like you need to have exits for people who do not care. Mm-hmm. And do not want to engage with the nonsense. You need to have clear, like, get me out of this conversation lines that people can just jump to the next important stage. Like, I'm done with this nonsense. Um, and and he, uh, it's something I've used in my work as well. I'm like, where's the like? I'm I don't need any more disclaimers. Just okay, check Love all me. the boxes. Like yeah. the Love exit path. And and I feel like this game could have used some more exit paths because I was sometimes, I mean. I don't necessarily need to see the seams. I don't need to know if like which choices are meaningful, but I do want sometimes to like, oopsie, I engaged in a conversation with a passerby and it's not a casual one. And I'm going to be talking to this uh, yeah. person for five minutes. I want that yeah. off ramp of nope. <laughs> yeah. You're a side quest. I don't want. Bye. I think about Baldur's Gate three, where there is literally always an option in dialogue. that's like attack them. Yeah. <laughs> At some point I was like talking to some like orphan scamp in the middle of town. And I was like, where's my attack them option. I'm just ready to blast this orphan with the umbrella and move <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, this game also makes constant, like legitimate attempts at humor, Um, you know, and I'll give it some credit in that it's not like, uh, like internet jokey humor, you know, it's like actually trying to make jokes about its world and its characters and and whatnot. So it's like in world jokes. Mm hmm. they're, they were rarely very funny to me, you know, uh, so it kind of drug the whole thing down as well, where you could just see it was like a a, a a missed attempt at a joke. But I, you know, I'd like a, I appreciate someone going for the bits. Uh, I don't know if you guys got to Seward, which is a great name. Uh, the sewer guy. I was the was- person that was like, give this guy the thing or give it to the sewer rat guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You get to choose. Whether you give a, a a secret gym back to like this authority figure or this sewer guy named Seward. and uh, you know, I don't I don't know what if the game precares, but obviously I'm giving it to Seward. and uh, totally, you know, it does have at least like you know my playthrough of the game, like giving Seward that gym had lasting impacts, or at least it appeared to be. I'd, I'd be curious to know what the differences were. If, if you'd given it back to the guy of authority, because Seward is a consistent character throughout the rest of the game. And he's constantly talking about this gem, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> love gems. That's Seward. I just, I wanted to love this game so much. The mechanic is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah and I it's want- such a surprise given like, like Gato Robato was like essentially dialogue free. Like it was, yeah. it was extremely light on this. Folks- it just makes me think like, this is a studio that like, didn't didn't know how to do this kind of game and they took a swing and- no i think they got feedback 
that Gato Robato was too short and slight, and then they like beefed it up, but mm. didn't have time to do more action stuff. So they beefed up dialogue. Like yeah. it's an easy way to it's easy. It's a cheaper way to make the game longer. Yeah, but they didn't ways. hire a great writer. Yeah, it's it's a complicated. It's like the the pacing of it. It's not just the writing, right? It's the yeah. the, the amount of it and its insertion into the game and the and the pacing are Such all weird thing are all over the place. Um, yeah, and and I think it does also suffer too because like the the Gunbrella mechanic. You know, a good game with really interesting mechanics. By the end, it's like a real stretch of the mechanic and you're really mastering it, you know, um, because you've spent so much time in it. But um, I don't know. By the end of the game, it was it was definitely more challenging, but not really in a way that made me feel like I was truly stretching my skills. You know, it was just like different challenges you know mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have one actually question that i did that i was curious about and didn't get to because i didn't you know because i bounced off the game so early do you get any meaningful upgrades to your gunbrella or anything like that or it seems like you get like a p- complete tool set it's like here's everything you can do with the gunbrella it trains you early on yeah and it seemed pretty pretty finished so i wasn't sure whether there was like an upgrade tree or anything like that and nothing point not real well yes and no there is an upgrade tree but it does it does two things you can upgrade its uh reload speed which is nice be a big deal yeah and then you can increase its power how hard it hits so it doesn't change any of the uh fundamental like moveset but it just makes the gunbrella itself more powerful and and i mean they were nice like i i tried to prioritize the uh the reload speed where i could because you know that it's slow yeah. Um and and then there there are those other weapons. I I read it as the gunbrella is also firing these weapons. I you know, it, yeah. I don't know. But, <laughs> but but what another part that was kind of disappointing is like I pretty much never used those. Like I never felt compelled to use the rifle rounds or you get these like buzz saws that you can shoot. Yeah, that grenades and well. and there's grenades and things like it was, that. They were very limited resources, and I only that, used them for boss. I, I I didn't. I only used the shotgun unless I was in a boss. And even yeah, then, I, I never was even like, used. I never even used the the additional weapons in bosses. I I think I shot like three times using a different weapon, and maybe that's it's kind on of me. annoying to change weapons. To be yeah. honest, and that's I why I only did them it because it, I kept dying while I was trying to to switch to the right weapon, and it was right. easier just to stay on the gunbrella constantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I pretty much never used them except for when they first introduce it. They make you use it to you know to teach you how to use it, and then mm-hmm. I pretty much never did again. So that's a bit of a failing. It's like they figured out a really great move set for the gunbrella, and then like everything else surrounding that felt. Yeah. Not just the story, but even some of these mechanics like the like the alternate weapon modes and whatnot just felt kind of like secondary. Yeah. Yeah. There's th- there was like there's a boss fight later on where you're spending most of the time in the air and like that felt really cool. There's just like two small landing points that you can mm. get on and you have to jump between them and like fire in between. Um, and it's like this is where this game is really working for me. It was like it was a fun combat. I I don't feel like this sort of floating, you know, you compared it to Princess Peach and Mary mm. Poppins, you know, two very gentle things. So having this like floating mechanic on a like action packed shotgun game, 
you know, felt really unique. And it's like, just, it, it's so close to being so good. They just, yeah, I think you're right, Laura. They probably just, they're like, we got to fill this out. You know, we only have so many puzzles or so many platform scenes. Let's, let's beef it up a little well, bit. Cause if they had done more action scenes, they would have had to add more mechanics and they probably didn't right. want to add more mechanics. And so they added more story. And like that, that's just my guess. I, I haven't, I looked around for developer interviews on this one and couldn't find it. But I, I, I feel like it was the way they padded out the game to make it feel more robust. And mixed review, I mean, I think we're further down on the story than most people clicking around. Like, seems like the story worked for some folks and a lot of yeah. people liked the quirky characters. Um, I saw a lot of we, thumbs down reviews on Steam with very similar feelings to mine, though. No, I'm saying yeah. critics. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But I, I think we also are, we know what good storytelling is. <laughs> yeah, we, we I play, mean, like that's our thing. It's our whole thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think there's a world where this game, uh, I could, you know, it didn't, the story didn't work for any of us, but... I'm not surprised to hear that it did click for some people. You yeah. know, I think this game has kind of landed pretty mid for most people. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a lot of a lot of work went into the story and, and hmm. you, you know, I, I, but a streamlined game would have worked better for oh, me. It would have been so, just yeah. the action. Honestly, um, just apply the Gunbrella mechanics to like a completely. I, 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 the whole time I was thinking like, you know what? This would be a great weapon for like kirby or super something. smash brothers gunbrella yeah <laughs> just like put the gunbrella in smash put the gunbrella in like it, like it'd be a great weapon and move set for almost any game it, it's a, yeah. it, it works really really well but like it doesn't feel great in this game mario maker gunbrella yes <laughs> just let me use the gunbrella you know that's when mm -hmm. the game shines when you're just, using the titular thing just nail nate a gunbrella he I would have it for his life listen if you're You've out got there. too many kids for that. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I know we aren't a gun household, um, Molly. But, but this is umbrella. But this one's an umbrella also. Um, watch me float. I think it's you'll the, understand once you see me floating around. It's perfect. The, the cops can't arrest you for carrying an umbrella. That's right. Yeah. They also can't arrest you for carrying a gun most places anymore either. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Well, on that note, I, on that note I, I think I don't think there's much left for us to say about Gunbrella. It's available on Steam and Switch and, um, you know, uh, make of that what you will. It's out there. Uh, you can definitely check it out. Um, and uh, I, I think we had decided we were going to do some Let's Making Us Happy this week. And so we still got that ready to go, even though we ended up talking for like 50 plus minutes about Gunbrella, despite us saying this will be quick. Um, but uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? Uh, so I have discovered a new podcast. Uh, there is a uh, interesting trend where a lot of people had Harry Potter podcasts and then are scrambling to do literally anything else. Um, <laughs> because situation to be in. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of folks, uh, there are people who did Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which was reading like Harry Potter as if it were a sacred text and you needed to like put the same amount of effort into it. There were people doing like, critical theory stuff on Harry Potter, all these people doing really interesting things, but Harry Potter was the core text and they either finished the book or were like, Oh no, can't do that anymore. Problematic now. Um, yeah. So I was pointed towards um, something that's pretty new. It's called material girls. Um, and they are doing um, 
basically they'll look at something like Bridgerton, the TV show, or Star Wars, or Avatar, or Queer Eye, and they'll be like, what's all the academic papers and things that might relate to this, that might explain why it's um, interesting? Like, why is it Hmm. popping now? Like, why is this interesting at the time it was like, why did it get big at the time it was big? Um, And it's really interesting because you learn a little bit about like, you'll learn about Marxist theory or you'll learn about gender theory or you'll mm. learn about these like really academic things that I wasn't exposed to, but it's light because they're talking about it in terms of Bridgerton <laughs> or in terms of like, like they did something on goblin mode. One of the ones I listened to and they talked about goblin mode and the idea of the object, which is from mm. a quote, Bulgarian French feminist philosopher Julia Kristeva. I've never nice. been exposed to that, but it's cool to be like Goblin Mode has interesting deep roots. Deep in. roots. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just really fun because it's, we've been it's, going Goblin Mode for a millennia. 100%. And you're like, this is really cool. Uh, it reminds me of going to college and like taking a film class where they'd be like, this is about the Panopticon. You're like, ooh, I've never heard of that. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, it, But it's, again, it's got a lightness to it because it's always grounding in pop theory. Um, there are academics who are clearly into mass culture and it's it's not it the blend is what i like because i've listened to the tried to listen to the homework podcast that are like let me tell you what philosophy and i will fall asleep um but if you're talking about like uh romance novels and like the study around romance novels for 20 years like that's fascinating yeah Um, that's that's really neat yeah, so it's Material Girls. They only have a couple. Uh, before they were, their podcast was called Witch Please, which I never listened to. It's like eight seasons of Harry Potter. But I've listened to Goblin Mode, uh, Bridgerton, and Star Wars. Um, Star Wars was all Marxist critique. Nice. About well, like, yeah, about like how um, they were trying to explain why both Nazis and... Uh, non-Nazis will see themselves in Star Wars as the rebels. <laughs> and like, why does that happen? Like, why I can't is- say I've ever considered the politics of Star Wars in that in that way. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, one of the things they talked about was that uh, she taught a class where one reading of the new trilogy of Star Wars, this is your sampler, Let's see if you like it. Hmm. One reading of the new Star Wars trilogy was that um, it is- uh, the new generation reconciling with the fact that they they were like we rejected our parents' stuff and they're you know the old ways are gone oh no now the call is coming from inside the house and mm. Kylo Ren like one of us like the people who are supposed to be woke and good and better has become a fascist like fascism is now from inside the house versus mm. a different generation of like overlord now it's coming from inside the house. And the teacher, she's like, I taught this. And everyone was like, why are you doing this? Star Wars isn't about anything. <laughs> she's like, this is the podcast. And if you want Star Wars to be about something, you can listen to this podcast. So it's fun. Um, it's fun. It feels like I'm eating something substantial, but I'm also not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite thing. Um, it's the, yeah. It's the so, Coke Zero. Infotainment. Yeah, it's the Coke Zero of like, is this stuff going to stay in my brain? Maybe not, but it it does feel like a a bit more thoughtful way to look at art. Um, the awesome. art that I'm going to consume anyway, because I'm yeah. trash. You might as well 
least I might try as well. to think in you know th- uh, have some sort of a little uh, bit deeper thought about it. Yeah. How about y'all? Well, um, I have one that's a bit of a follow up um, since it's something I talked about briefly before. But um, and if you're on the Discord, you may have already seen me talk about this. But I was just going to say uh, for folks who listen to the Pico Eight episode, um, I mentioned on that episode that I was considering buying. Uh, a device that just came out called the Pow Kitty RGB 30, uh, which is a portable emulator handheld type of thing. It's like a little, you know, game emulator handheld console thing. Um, and uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I keep my ear to the ground of the like the the scene of emulator handhelds, just because there's something that I'm always that I'm always into, but all, they're they're full of compromises. Like there's always a new one coming out every week. It seems like there's a new one of these things from some like no name Chinese company, like you know Anbernick and Pow Kitty and Miu and so on. And you know we did a whole episode on the Miu Mini. Um, um, this is the first one of those I've bought since, and it's because it it's the very first one that does something very unique. Uh, and that is that it has a one by one square aspect ratio high resolution screen. Mm. Um, that's really weird, uh, but it's fantastic for games like Game Boy, Game Gear, uh, like handheld games mostly. The sort of things that are actually quite really really fun to play on these sorts of things, um, and it's extremely great for Pico Eight because unlike most of these, this thing runs Linux, but it runs on a Linux chip that is compatible with the version of Pico Eight that's officially published by um, Lexoffel, the people that develop Pico 8, for the Raspberry Pi. So you can take the Raspberry Pi executable that P- that Lexoffel directly publishes, drop it onto this device, and it has working Wi-Fi and a square screen just like Pico 8, and can and it's it's the most perfect Pico 8 device experience that I've ever played. I've tried the Pico 8, I've tried Pico 8 on a lot of different setups. And like, if you want a handheld Pico 8 machine, this thing is, there's, there's literally nothing else better than this. It's absolutely perfect. The screen is incredible and it's really inexpensive. It's like $90. And you know, the battery life is okay. Um, And even if you decide to play other stuff on it, like I've played some SNES games, some GBA, some other stuff um, and all that stuff is fine too. So uh, I just thought I'd give the, you know, some, some feedback since I mentioned I was maybe going to buy that I did. And it's really good. Uh, so if you're thinking about one of these, and especially if the idea of something that's more focused on, you know, a lot of these game consoles, they either have a four by three screen, which is sort of catered to the like, you know, TV game consoles of the eighties and nineties, or they have a 16 by nine screen. Maybe you're playing things like, you know, uh, more modern games or from like things like the PSP or other, other things that had a widescreen, but this has a straight up square screen. And surprisingly, that works really well for lots of stuff. Even the four by three stuff I was playing, you know, you get a little bit of black bars at the top and bottom, but it felt it's like a four inch screen. It's pretty large for one of these handhelds without making the device super, super chunky. So it just sort of felt like a really nice compromise. And it's the first one of these that I've seen that had that form factor. Um, So I really like it. Um, So uh, I recommend it. And um, you can you can get it from the oh, and uh, on the plus side. Uh, Pow Kitty, I think, is the worst name of any of these companies <laughs> in, a, in a, you know, a market where there's a lot of companies with weird brand names. Uh, but in this instance, Pow Kitty did not put their logo anywhere on the device Hooray. or anywhere in the software. Hey. You, you will have to go to their website, powkitty.com, to buy one of these. But then you never have to say or think the words Pow Kitty again. Um, so there's that. 
And nice. uh, yeah, recommended. Uh, Nate, where, what's making you happy? I'm going to run through a, a few quick things here because I haven't been on the show for a few weeks. But um, so part of the reason I haven't been around is that I had the opportunity to travel to Budapest for a week, which was a part of the world that I've never been to. And I just wanted to say it was a lovely city. It was beautiful. I had a great time. So I did not think I would you know, end up there at any point, but uh, got there for, through a work trip and it was awesome. So uh, I also uh, managed to accomplish a personal goal of mine that was really poorly timed with this trip to Budapest. So I was in, uh, I, I left Budapest on Friday and traveled for roughly 18 hours to get home. And then Sunday morning, I ran my very first ever half marathon. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you. So it's something I've been working towards all summer. Um, you know, my goal was just to finish. I'm I, I do these things, but I am not like, you know, I'm not like a like highly competitive in them or anything. This is the first time I had ever done one and I finished, you know, in the bottom third of like finishers and stuff like that. But, but you finished. But I did it. I did it and I did it while supremely jet lagged, which <laughs> oh, was yeah. like I, I I spent a week eating uh, Eastern European food, which was uh, very heavy, multiple stews and, uh, you know, and, and lots of um, cheese boards and things like that. Uh, some bunch of sausages and whatnot, which were all fantastic. Uh, I, I actually brought my running shoes with me all the way there because in my my ideal self, you know, I'm going running through this new city and, and keeping mm -hmm. myself in shape for this, uh, you know, endurance thing that I'm doing the upcoming weekend. And instead, I was like, oh, there's a microbrew over there. Well, I'm only here <laughs> once. So I'm going to go. Honestly, I think you yeah. made the right decision. I, I, yeah. I think so, too. No regrets. Um, Someone who's I, run multiple 5Ks hung over the day after Halloween. Oh, like, yeah. you made the right decision. <laughs> Oh, no. oh yeah, absolutely. I no regrets. Um, but you know, I still thought it was funny. But I mean, I, could you think of a worse possible thing to do the week before an like the week of an endurance thing? Travel across no. the world and eat stew. <laughs> so, uh, but I beat. I, I finished it, and I was really happy about that. So that's making me happy. Um, from a content standpoint. I've been kind of half watching the fall of the house of Usher with Molly, uh, the new yeah. Mike Flanagan hmm. series. Um, and I've been really enjoying it. It's like, it's based on all the Edgar Allan Poe, uh, poems and short stories and whatnot. And to see them twisted into a, like a, just a truly absurd modern TV show. You know, it, the, the show is not as ridiculous as a show like American horror story. Sure. But it's in that world, you know, where everything is just so over the top and silly um, that I mean, it'd have like, to be if it's Poe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's like it's a it's a family of billionaires that are, you know, going through a bunch of the experiences. Oh, is that of, so they could do murders at the Rue Morgue? Like, do they also put that one in? Oh yeah, they're all there. Oh yeah, it's just a just, it's a just, stew of all the Poe. Okay, yeah. cool. There, there's an episode like the episodes are named after the stories or or directly reference the stories. The murder at Rue Morgue. There is a Rue Morgue in the show, and there is Lovely. a murder at the, nice. the, at at the Rue Morgue. So like work, work yeah. some math. It's like Penny Dreadful for just oh, yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> so yeah, it it's all in there. I, I won't say that this is like my favorite show or anything. You know, I, I, I'm not a huge horror 
guy and like these shows usually make me laugh more than they make me scared um sure. but it's you know it's october it's it's a it's a it's a good time for something like this and uh you know mike flanagan now has the rights to the dark tower series which i'm very very excited about because he does seem like the right guy to do that uh so we'll see where that goes but um i'm uh i check it out if you if you've watched his previous shows i think this is better than some of the recent ones and it's it's a fun time and i think you'll nice. know pretty quickly if you like it or not so uh, I might get that a try. I, I literally just finished, not just, maybe like a couple of weeks ago, finished uh, reading T. Kingfisher's novel, What Moves the Dead, Ah, which is a, I read a lot of T. Kingfisher for a little bit there because I, I loved uh, Thornhedge so much. I forget if I talked about that on the show. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Well, anyway, T. Kingfisher is good. Um, she has a, a, a book called What Moves the Dead, which is sort of like a modern rewrite of uh, the fall of the house of usher uh, hmm. to be sort of in the more, more the vein of like a modern horror story, but it's set in a really strange world uh, where, well, like not that strange, but like slightly strange where like the main character is sort of genderless from a country where soldiers are considered genderless. So anybody hmm. male or female can become a soldier, but then but once you you're a sworn genderless. soldier, that's its own gender. Cool. Um, hmm. So it's kind of a weird central character. So it's the sworn soldier series. There's apparently like a new, uh, a new novel coming out later this year. Um, sort of a weird book, but yeah. Anyway, um, house of usher needs stuff. Um, Thornhedge was better though. Read Thornhedge. It was really, really good. <laughs> Laura, I don't know if I've talked to you about Thornhedge. You should read it. I might have. She's nodding. I probably already talked to her ear off about it. Um, well, no, yeah. I, I also had. Um, I have trouble remembering which of T. Kingfisher's things I've read because there's so many of them, and someone starts describing the book, and I'm like, "Is that one of the ti the titles are not memorable to me?" Totally. Um, but the books are. The books are yes. great. So I do not think I've read Thornhedge, and you have recommended it to me. Mm, but so good. I'm. Um, where were we? Let's do the outro. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm, which is a little page with a lot of buttons on it. You can go and subscribe to the show on all the different uh, services. You can go and leave us a review. We just got our 100th review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. It took us a long time to get there, but that's still a nice number to hit. We love to see it. Um, but more is always better. Do you want to be 101? We would love to see that happen. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review on whatever podcast service you happen to be using if they allow reviews. Uh, Spotify does uh, now, and you can leave us a review there as well if you happen to listen to us on that godforsaken platform. Um, and no shade if you're listening. No, no judgment. No judgment. I don't like Spotify <laughs> for a bunch of reasons that are very particular to me. But you, we use love it in all good our health. listeners, regardless of you. how you're doing it. Indeed. Um, so leave us a re review wherever you happen to be. Uh, I've said this on the podcast before, but it's not just about you know uh, making us feel good. Uh, and it's not even just about like making the show show up in search results. Like I, I think those, those, um, you know, it's it's the whole thing. People discover the podcast because they go and search for the name of a game or whatever on their podcast platform. And you know, your review might be the thing that makes the makes the algorithm show us to them, and that makes a big difference to us. So we really appreciate it. That's how people find the show. Um, and of course, you can uh, join our Discord community if you become a patron of the show. So you can go to shortgame.fm and click our link for Patreon or uh, patreon.com slash the short game. If you're a patron, we will you know, welcome you with open arms to our Discord chat where we hang out and talk about what's coming up on the show and have a long conversation about 
Baldur's Gate 3 and everyone's <laughs> abusing me there because I allowed the short game to cover Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> yes, I know. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're trying to remove it. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Anything else? You can find me on there, my links, but you can also find me at reagan.me on the web, which has links to all of my stuff, including uh, my Mastodon, uh, reagan at bird.rodeo. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on most platforms at Laura J. Nash uh, and on Mastodon at Laura J. Nash at bird.rodeo. Yes, and Nate, where can people find you? Uh, same, you can find me on most social media as at NateSTL and then Mastodon's NateSTL.bird.rodeo. And listeners, right. thank you once again for joining yes. us on this episode <laughs> of The Short Game. <laughs>